0: Okay. Let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you for the uh, opportunity to gather around your word. I pray that it would uh, pierce through to our uh, very hearts and souls and, and change who we are so that we can be more uh, like you, more follow the path that you've, uh, that you've charted out for us. Uh, thank you for, for this amazing word. And uh, pray for every uh, soul in here every life in here, that uh, you would um, uh, meet them uh, where they are today and uh, have these words uh, be uh, customized to their particular situation so that they can uh, know you, follow you, be inspired. And uh, thank you again for this beautiful day and this beautiful place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going through a list of uh, sort of things to do, and anytime we go through a list, I think we're we're prone to be ported back into our um, into our uh, what what most of us are going to have in traditional uh, understanding of lists that'll basically be legalistic. So uh, legalism of course, is is uh, something we all learned from uh, multiple venues uh, if you're like uh, the vast majority of people you uh, got a list from your parents of what it meant to be a good son or daughter and uh, most of us and then you pass it on to your children that's right and so it's just human nature it's, it's nothing wrong with it there's plenty of seats over here come on across that's yeah the sit in the front's good Right here and over there is great. So it's, it's just human nature to take a list and start saying, okay, how can I, how can I uh, do the minimal effort to um, you know, comply with this list and make it go away? That's just kind of what we do with lists. But let's just look at where we're at in terms of uh, what the start and the finish of this uh, section is. Let's look at the very end here. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Hebrews thirteen verse twenty. Now, oh, sorry. Let me start with eighteen. Pray for us, for we're confident that we have a good conscience in all things, de- desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I might be restored to you the sooner. So here we are. We've got uh, Paul, and he's remember he's he's giving this message to some very dear friends who uh, have lost their possessions and were glad because they're so faithful and so diligent. But um, they have a problem that they've become hard of hearing. And Paul is writing to, to uh, exhort them. And he's saying, I want to be restored to you this sooner, their dear friends. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with this this word of exhortation, for I have written to you in a few words. So this is the point of the book. The point of the book is to be exhorted to follow this path that will make us complete... And every good work. Now, this word complete, I expected this was going to be this word I can never pronounce, the telescope word, teleasi, or whatever it is, teleaso. And uh, it's not. It's a different word. It's katarizo. And I want to show you two places in Hebrews that katarizo takes place. I think it's kind of interesting. Chapter 10, verse 5 chapter 10 verse 5 Therefore when he came into the world this is Jesus this is the this is the backwards christmas verse I love this verse This is what Jesus said when he came into the world When he came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you have prepared for me prepared that's caterizo prepared So there's this body and God has prepared this body. Why did He prepare the body for, for Jesus? What was the purpose for preparing the body? To be offered the sacrifice. Okay, so offering the sacrifice, but more immediately. more the tri- I'm looking 30. for a trivial... Yeah, yeah, so He could come into the world, right? You need, you need this vehicle to come into the world. You can't get where you want to go unless you have a body. You can't come into the world without a body. Okay, so let's look at 11.3. Uh, 11:3 by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of god framed framed caterizo prepared to put together why 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 did god make the worlds for his glory. well for his glory but he could do that without the worlds what did he make the worlds for Yeah, so we could live here. I mean it's uh i kind of like when you make the aquarium Yeah, you, you bring the fish in the aquarium. There's a it's a place it's a place for all this to happen. Okay. So you get this idea of cutterizo. Let's go back again and reread thirteen. Uh, twenty one. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you prepared. Make you ready. Ready for what? What's he making ready for? There's some seats over here. What's he making you ready for? Well, yes, good. He's making you ready for good works. Why? So then you could do his will. And why do you want to do that? Pardon me, pardon me. no come on through what do you want to do that for what is it to, for his glory. it's pleasing yeah that's what he likes that's what that's what he wants it's pleasing to his will now let's go back to the top slice of bread on this sandwich here let's look at 12 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, this is coming out of Hebrews 11 where we had this, this all these great examples of faith. Since we're surrounded by all these great examples of faith, let us do what we need to do. Lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, the A and the Z, the beginning and the end. The one who started it, the one who's going to finish it. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus had a body prepared for Him, not because He was not already God, He's already God, but because He had this work to do and He needed a body to do it. And he grew up and he lived this life completely in the will of God and followed that obedience all the way to the end. And the reason he despised the shame and instead looked to the joy was because he had something he wanted to do. And what he wanted to do was please God. And the reward for pleasing God was to be raised to this position of being to the right hand of the throne of God. He learned obedience even to death on the cross and because of that he was given a name above every name. So this is not just a list that we want to get rid of. This is not just a list to uh, you know, say, well, you know, if I do these things, mom will leave me alone. Okay? This is a list of what it looks like to fulfill an amazing, incredible destiny to be prepared to do the same thing Jesus has done, which is go down this path of obedience and be exalted. We were made, remember back in Hebrews 2, we were made to reign and rule with Christ in a perfect, harmonious world. That's what we were made for. That's what our soul longs for. And it's not happening right now. The world is a fractious, dark place in many respects. But we're, we're being prepared. If we follow this path, we're being prepared to be elevated to that spot in the new earth. And as we do it in this world, through faith, we're bringing heaven into our little sphere of influence. So that's why we have this list. Uh, this despising the shame. I did a whole podcast on this that was not an actual lesson you came to. Any of these lessons, you want to go to iTunes and look at Athens to Jerusalem, you can listen to any of these things. Uh, despising the shame has, has to do with uh, <clears throat> the opinions of other people. And I went into great lengths about the massive influence opinions of other people has on us. We'll talk a little more about that as we go through this list. So last week, we started the list, going to chapter 13, verse 1. Remember, we just came out of this comparison between Mount Sinai and the, the, uh, Mount Zion, these two mountains. Mount Sinai was this place that scared people very, very badly. I mean, they were, they were really frightened. And they said, well, don't let God speak anymore, we'll die. And Paul says here, that was scary, but it, not really. Not compared to Mount Zion. No, they went to Mount Sinai. You're going to Mount Zion. The first time God spoke, the earth shook. The next time He speaks, the whole universe is going to blow up. Verse 25. See that you do not refuse Him who speaks. Do you really want to ignore the voice of someone who can blow up the whole heaven and earth and then speak a new world into existence? You don't think so. And then He ends with, Verse 28, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Not only do we have this amazing destiny to go toward, this unbelievable path we can follow to actually do what Jesus did and to be elevated like Jesus was, but we also have this massive loss Despair and destruction that can take place if we don't, because God is a consuming fire. This is sort of like the peso and the bullet. You know this story? These drug lords they go into the they go into the uh, uh, office of the government official, and he puts a bullet and a peso on there, and he says, "You get the pick, senor." which would you like? You can either go on my payroll and become corrupt, or you can die. That's your choice. Well, obviously, that's a very twisted version. But this is sort of similar. It's two very stark choices that we have to choose between. We've got this scary God who is going to have things the way He's going to have them, and when we go in a path that's opposite to His way, we're going to reap the consequences of that, and it's not going to be good. Or we can... We can walk in obedience and get this unbelievable, amazing reward for it. And much of this has to do with whether we're going to follow the opinions of people or whether we're going to follow the opinion of God. So, chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Teamwork is a big thing to God. And we talked about this last week. Care about your teammates. Don't forget to entertain strangers. There's people on other teams that we ought to share our space and our time with. And remember the prisoners as if chained with you. There's people on our team that are not in our sight, not in our locker room. And we should care about those people even though they're not in our sight. And each one of these things uh, is really about being mission-focused rather than self-focused. So then the next thing on the list, and all this is, these are the things how you become great. You notice the things that aren't on this list as we go through. Most of the legalistic things that you get from church will not make it on this list. Which is, you know, tells us something important. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled... But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So part of this path of greatness is to have a great marriage. Now this, this is like your inner team, your spouse. That's an interesting contrast he puts here. The bed is undefiled. Now I think we have to, this is, I'm going to tell you, this is really not going to be on most church lists. What this means is, you need to have a really good sex life with your spouse. This is, this is part of this path of greatness. You're standing before Mount Sinai, and if you don't have a great sex life with your wife, if you don't have a great sex life with your husband, you need to be concerned about that. God's not going to be happy. You're going to be standing before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to be say, tell me about your sex life. <laughs> That's I came to today. Absolutely like I say this is not on most church lists God however is real and he made us this way Um, I'm I'm not a marriage counselor but Vince is and I've gone through his oneness retreat which all of you should do it's really great it's a great, It's a great training. And actually, I, should, I said, I went through it. Terry and I went through it, actually. It was, there was, it was Yeah. He may have a remedial version, but I didn't go through it. And he said, usually, when he's in marriage counseling, the first thing he finds out is they haven't had sex in a really long time. It's an honorable thing to have a lasting and good marriage. And sex is a big part of that. You know, this next part, I think, is really the key. And I'll come back to the first four things on the list from it. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with things as you have. For he himself, God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember, we said Jesus despised the shame. To despise means give no particular value to. He had a lot of shame. I mean, he he went through a lot. And and it hurt. He cried, he hurt. He cried out for for, uh, deliverance. But compared to this joy set before him, he didn't give it much value. And this is the key, really, isn't it? Covetousness, the nature of covetousness is to not be content with the things we have and to make life about us and having things conform to whatever we want. We went to dinner with our uh, two of our sons last night and the grand- five grandkids and uh, one of the granddaughters uh, <clears throat> ordered, said she wanted something with chicken and noodles so her mom ordered her a uh, chicken and noodle dish and uh, she pouted through most of the meal and apparently it was because it didn't look like she expected it to how many things in your life do you have that you pout because it didn't look like you expected it to? Look at the contrast back in the marriage. The bed's undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. These two words are interesting. One of them's uh, porneo or pornos. We get our word pornography from it. I did a little bit of looking at it. It's kind of interesting. It means a a male prostitute. Fornication's porneal. Male prostitution. Adultery is adultery. And it has the idea of giving yourself into an immoral situation or doing it or, or bringing someone else into an immoral situation. For Men, one of our big struggles in this world is pornography. Pornography is having a relationship with an imaginary woman. Now the reality is that the attraction of an imaginary woman is that imaginary women will never reject you. And I've gone through this in some length of detail, but it's worth worth, uh, repeating. Men are deathly afraid of female rejection. Women, you have amazing power to encourage and enable your spouses because they cannot stand the idea of being rejected by you. Uh, Men, to go to pornography instead of uh, create, develop, developing the intimacy with our wife even if it means that we're going to have to swallow hard and say I really need you to do this with me uh, is a way of cowardice P- pornography is, is cowardice in large part and I know there's all sort of endorphin things that happen when uh, we look at pictures and that sort of thing and there's a, you know, a, a temporary reward but that's the way all sin is all sin gets some kind of immediate pleasure that brings long-term destruction. Adultery, you know, our, our uh, society um, celebrates adultery. But what is adultery? Is there any love in adultery? Are we thinking about the best interest of the other person? Are we thinking about uh, our own spouse? It's completely self-centered. And it is this covetousness of not being content with what I have. It's the same basic attitude materialism is. Materialism is the philosophy that says happiness is based on what I don't have. We obtain what we don't have. That makes us happy. Well, just think about that. If you're going to always be based happiness on obtaining what you don't have, then once you have something, what do you have to do? Get something else, right? You can't be happy with what you do have. And it can be this way with women, with men, with relationships. Women, you've got your own version of pornography it's uh, romance fantasies. Uh, These romance books, you know, fly off the shelf, they're all the same story, (laughs) different names. You like to live it over and over again, okay? Um, There is no white knight in shining armor that's going to come make you happy. Just like there's not a dress that's going to make you happy or a car or a house. Because happiness comes when we learn to be content with what we have. Being content with your own spouse is a good place to start. The marriage bed is undefiled. Let's become really expert practitioners of our own marriage bed. This is a way to please God. This is a path to greatness. Uh, Women, I know that you have 16 other things on your mind. And when your husband says, hey, I'm interested... The first thing that comes in your mind is, how can I make this go away, so I can have these sixteen things that I've got on my mind uh, continue to uh, continue to be on my mind. Uh, and men, you got to understand, or we got to understand, that if we haven't engaged with our wife with words, we haven't worked our way into her field of vision. And she does she's not in work like us. it's not a visual stimulation sort of a thing. And so there's this understanding. you know this working on sex and having a mutual, uh, a mutual desire for sex actually causes you to talk about your relationship and work on it and say, "Hey, how can we do this You're, you're bringing intimacy, and that is something. That is a path to greatness. Now, we tend to think of a path of greatness in, when we talk about Scripture or the Bible, godly things, as Billy Graham. You know, but get, do a great crusade and uh, you know thousands of people come to Christ. Or a mission field. And we go on a mission field and five people came to Christ. You're not going to see witnessing on this list. Are you surprised? You're not going to see... Church attendance on this list, although it's presumed. But you do see having a great sex life on this list. I think we need to be really focused on that. You do see caring about people that you are not in your field of vision that are suffering on this list. Fellow believers, which we have all over the world. Now we're able to connect all over the world. You do see sharing your space, sharing your time, and you do share see connecting with other believers. And all of this comes back to our conduct, being content with what we have. Now, let's look at this "Be content with what you have." It's interesting the contrast that he has between uh, being content or covetousness and contentment. He says, you know, you you, you, want to be, you want to be content, not covetous. And the way you get there is by saying, the Lord's my helper, I won't fear what can man do to me. Now what's the connection between the opinion of people and covetousness? Why does the opinion of people bring covetousness and the and counting on God to be our helper lead to contentment? The more cool things you have and do, the more people think you're great. Okay, that's a really good one. The more cool things you What did you say? Have and, do. have and do. The more cool things you have and do, the more What did you say? People think you're great. People think you're cool. Yeah, okay. So how do we know what a cool thing is? What everybody else wants. Oh, based on what everybody else <laughs> thinks, okay? Exactly. So uh, why why do you need that extra whatever? Because I'm, I, if I have to wear my same dress again, you know, I wore that dress three months ago, and I know everybody's keeping uh, video records <laughs> of my dress, and they're going to go home and compare it all and say, aha, I knew it. Yeah, because everybody else is looking, right? Um, you know, what, what are people going to say if they look at my job and it's not an important job? Yet we tend to use other people's opinions as our guide of what's important. Let's look at this uh, passage where this comes from The Lord is my helper, what can man do to me? This comes from Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He's good, for His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What is the answer to that question? What can man do to you, Lee? What's something a man can do to you that's worth being afraid of, considering being afraid of? Kill me. He can kill you. Okay, right? Everybody agree with that? Men can kill you? So what's the what's the uh, Im- implication here? God can save you. Huh? God can, save you. God can save you. But man can still kill you. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, death. So what's So what's... So you die. So what happens if you die? Then you, you can go, Lord, it's just not as hard anymore, right? So all he can do is kill me. He can hurt you first, right? So what's death? I I love this uh, Lord of the Rings stuff. And uh, the Aragorn character is something I kind of keep in my mind all the time is who I want to be. And... Uh, he lives life as death. Oh, who cares about death? I mean, just, just have more honor if you have death. But doing something dishonorable, unthinkable. Unthinkable to, to be dishonorable because I'm a king. I would never be unkingly. Well, I think that's kind of what he's calling us to here. We're receiving a kingdom. Verse 28, we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We're invited to grow up to the point where we get to rule in that kingdom. Act your part. You, they may kill you, but they can't defeat you. Live an honorable life. What else can they do to you? Andy, what else is something, something a, man, a man can do to you? Maybe not quite as drastic. They can insult you. They can insult you. Now, have you ever been insulted what 's what 's like the juiciest insult no no i 'm just <laughs> yeah, a man can insult you and it might even be true, right they may, they may insult you, and you actually say boy that 's really true, and I need to change well, in which case it 's a good thing, right, and it may be untrue and if it 's untrue, what, then what it hurts, it stings. Really, I mean, what? You know why it hurts so bad, really? It's because we think everybody's watching us and they're thinking about the insult and they went home and said, Andy got insulted. Boy, i was been thinking about Andy all day long, every day. <laughs> and now I know. Are they thinking about Andy? How many of you have thought about Andy? <laughs> Very much this week. Okay, AJ. Yeah, you got you. You got him. Man, you think about Andy more than you thought about AJ. No. No. Okay. So, so look, people insult you. It hurts. People aren't watching you that much, really. Really, they're they're thinking mostly about themselves. Uh, so, uh, wanna, so, let's see. Uh, What's that? They can take your stuff. They can take your stuff. What stuff? What would hurt the most for you if somebody took it from you? Your son. Your son. I thought this. Do you consider your son part of your stuff? <laughs> we need to work on your vocabulary, Warren. <laughs> You don't really have anything that's okay. Well Warren Warren's not enjoying his possessions. (laughs) We'll work on your contentment. Huh? I'm not gonna say you're a cat. You cat? (laughs) But they take my bowl. I'll tell you I have one thing that somebody could take and I would cry. My mandolin. I just love my mandolin. It fits me. I don't know if I could ever get another one that was so good. Wally took my mandolin to Houston without asking my permission. I just about croaked, but he got it back. But you know, really, uh, I don't think I'd—I don't think I'd be permanently damaged. Pretty much everything's replaceable. What about your office? You, you know, can. There's some things in life that go beyond pain. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to... <laughs> Obviously, I needed to come down a notch. Yeah, I can start. I've got like the best office in the world. It's the neatest place. I, I literally, five years after first getting it, I walk into it and say, God, this is the neatest place, and I sit down and enjoy it, and I'm going to lose it now it just really bums me out. <laughs> what's that? Yeah, yeah. And Warren did it to me. So, you know, look. So what, what? what is there to fear, really? I don't like to hurt. None of us like to hurt. But if you look at the big picture here and what's at stake, comparatively speaking, it's just nothing we can endure in this life really matters that much compared to this amazing opportunity to become. Great. And anything in this list so far that you're intimidated by? Oh, I could never do that. Love other people that are fellow believers. Is that too high a hurdle? Uh, share your stuff. Share your space. Is that, is that something ever, all of us can do? R- remember people that are suffering that are not in your field of vision. Everybody... Do you have to have a certain spiritual gift for this? you have to have a certain intellect for any of this? you have to have a certain station in life? And even a certain age? Marital status? You know, it's available for anybody. The only one in here that you've got to kind of have a certain status for is marriage. And even then, you can avoid the uh, fornication and adultery. You can still lead into this. And you can be content with what you have. Nobody can stop you from being great. Nobody, because all these things have no barriers. It doesn't require anyone else's cooperation. It doesn't require any specific skill set. The Lord is my helper. I won't fear. What can man do to me? A little sideline for the ladies. Does anybody recognize this word "helper"? You never heard that word before in the Bible. Huh? Genesis 2. Let's go, to it. Let's go there. Genesis 2. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, same word as in this Hebrews verse. Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man be alone. He needs a marriage bed that's undefiled. I will make him a helper comparable to him who's the helper in 218 Eve who's the helper in Hebrews 13 God does God have a high position or a low position pretty high right is woman a high position or a low position it's like God it's a helper this is not gender-specific greatness. It's just greatness. Let's go on to verse seven. Still on the list. How to be great? What does it look like? What does greatness look like? We've we've looked. At, we've spent most of our time on the heart attitude. Now we're just getting some practical things of well, what would that look like? Remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Now, you will get in Scripture uh, sort of a fruit inspection uh, command only in one circumstance. And that is the circumstance where you're deciding whether uh, someone's a false prophet or not. When you're deciding whether to listen to someone who's preaching the word or not. You don't really get fruit inspection uh, for another person. You get fruit inspection for yourself. If you want to know what fleshly behavior looks like, it looks like this. If you want to know what following and walking in the Spirit looks like, it looks like this. But in terms of you need to judge another person's fruit, what you get is if to decide whether to listen to them and follow them in terms of preaching the Word or not. Well, when you have someone who has the kind of life that you want to follow and you say, I want to be like them and they're teaching the Word to you, then remember them. Okay, maybe that means pay them. Maybe that means thank them. We're going to see um, in verse 17, we can just put that together here. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. They reach, watch out for your souls as those who must give it account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief. That would be unprofitable for you. So you've got people who are mentoring you perhaps or they are they're counseling you they're watching out for your souls don't be a pain in the neck to them if you need their help ask for help but don't go criticizing them unless you got unless you got something constructive to say okay I, and there's people in here that know what it's like to lead. I, most everybody in here has children and your children usually are not thinking about how not to be a pain in the neck to you when they ask for something, right? Well, don't be like a little kid. Take a veil yourself of this benefit that they're offering to you, but don't make a lot of trouble for them. There's a way to go about this that honors the people watching out for your souls. Again, you don't have to have a particular spiritual gift for this. Just don't be a jerk. We can all do that. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. It's good the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Okay, Don't let anyone replace the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God with some list. This particular list apparently was somebody who had particular foods that you're supposed to eat. And if you eat these foods, then you're then you're uh, good with God. And you can go anywhere in the world and go to a church and they'll have a list. And Paul has a list and this is it. And we tend to make lists that are trivial. I think we make lists that are trivial because it gives us a sense of control, because we make always make the list of things that we can do easily or or appear to do easily. And we make that list where we can criticize other people and thereby elevate ourselves. Well, that's a silly thing to do because we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and every thought and intent of the heart is going to be laid bare. Have you given this thought? That your intents are going to be on the Jerry Jones Cowboy Stadium jumbotron? So I'm not going to have time to go over this last one. I'll do it next week. And then we'll be through Hebrews. And then I'll start with a series on Hebrews chapter 11, which I told you I I just skipped over. And what we're going to do is drill down into these lives and the people in Hebrews chapter 11 and ask the question, so what is it about this person's life that we're supposed to follow that's like this life that Paul gave us in Hebrews. Because remember, the whole point here is to learn to walk by faith. And you can't please God without faith. And what is faith? It's believing something you can't see. And God tells us, hey, this is in your best interest. And it doesn't feel like it, and it doesn't look like it, but you have to believe that it is. And we're going to look at the lives of people that are pretty screwed up like Samson who mostly squandered his life and he's on the list and I think you're going to find that it's amazingly encouraging who made this list and no matter what you may be concerned about in your life that you may have done that disqualifies you it can't be as bad or any worse than a lot of people on this list Rahab the prostitute is on the list. God is not concerned about what we've done in the past. He paid for all that on the cross. God is concerned about what we do now. God's the God of now. And what He asks us to do in this book is focus on doing something a particular day. What is it? Today. Today while you hear the voice. Obey. That's the point. Alright, so we've got a couple minutes. We're done for this lesson. We've got a couple minutes. And I'd just like to have some feedback from you about this list. What I'd like to ask you is, what would you have expected to be on the list that's not? Leave a lot of people to Christ. Isn't that interesting? Lead a lot of people to Christ is not on the list. Why do you think that is? It's not in our We're not in control of that. It's not in our control. Is good. You know, I went through the epistles looking for commands to share our faith. You know how many I found? One. And it's and it's First uh, Peter. When you somebody comes and asks you, why are you glad when you're suffering unjustly? Tell them the hope that's within you. That's it. But there's command after command after command after command to live a godly life. And we're told if you live a godly life, that does what? It shows people who God is. Glorify the Father. That's what we're supposed to be doing, and that's what this list does. I like what St. Francis said preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Isn't that great? I think that's what this list is telling us to do. What else is would you have expected to be on this list if you grew up in an evangelical church? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, give money. Make sure you give ten percent. Now let's have a little talk about gross or net. What's your? What is God's depreciation schedule? <laughs> Does God recognize intangible drilling costs? Uh, does God do you get more credit for giving to a 501c3 authorized organization than just giving money to a friend? You get extra credit because it's accredited by the IRS. Will there be an IRS person at the judgment seat of Christ? Or do you get less credit because you get to write it off? Oh, less credit because you get to write it off. Yeah. Who's on the board, okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's not even on here. Now, the principle is, though, what's the principle? Be content with what you have and share your stuff with other people. Cheerfully, right? It may be that you're the most generous giving guy and you never give money to a charity. Maybe you raise foster kids and that's where your excess money goes. You think you could be reamed for that? Because what are you doing giving them money to these sinking foster kids? I needed money for Casa de Amigos. <laughs> what else? What else? You Anything? Quiet times. quiet times. Where's quiet times on this list? Make sure you get up at least 5 o'clock in the morning. Central Standard Time. <laughs> Have at least an hour. Well, I mean, the principles here. The principles here of focusing on God, praying for their restoration. The principles here, but not a formula. If there was a formula, then we could say that and just be done with it and say, you, you, now, now I control you, God. You have to bless me now because I did my thing. I did my quiet time. What are you surprised is on the list that you wouldn't have expected to be there? I know all of you are thinking it, but nobody (laughs) will say it. Come on. Entertaining strangers. (laughs) Okay, entertaining strangers. That's kind of weird, and it's the second one. Yeah, and there may be angels. Well, well, what is that? That's kind of of, uh, surprising. But obviously, having a great sex life is not something you would expect to be on here if you grew up in a Baptist church. What else? What else is on the list that surprises you? Thinking about being a back row Baptist or whatever you grew up as, lapsed Catholic. Nobody's surprised. You know, there's nothing in here about fashion either. What? The prisoners. Yeah, I remember, we usually don't think about the prisoner stuff, and part of that's because of where we grew up. So we, we're we just now starting to see the return of religious persecution in our country. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of a surprise, isn't it? So. Being at church whenever the doors open. Being at church whenever the doors open. Yeah, I've heard... Uh, I heard a fire and brimstone sermon about that when I visited a church one time. It was very reminiscent. And uh, it's not even on here. There is a, there's a thing on... And, cha- and as a matter of fact, interesting note, and we'll, we'll end on this. In chapter 10, it says, do not forsake the assembling yourself together as, as is the habit of some. In the context of Hebrews here, why would you assemble yourself? because we're all in the same boat together, right? We want to win this race and it's hard and we need reminding. Boy, go listen to some sermons on that verse and watch how they pull it out of context and what they do with it. it. It ends up, you know, way messed around. But, again, that's not our particular problem. What our particular problem is, we've got this pleasure in our heart that tends to get in the way of greatness. And Paul's telling us how to move that out of the way. God, thanks for this fantastic message, this list, and I uh, pray that you'll uh, just invigorate us in our walk and um, give us this amazing vision for um Every single one of us that you've endowed us to live this amazing, great life. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. You've, you've given us the opportunity to do something amazing that pleases you. Where you say, wow, you, you, you did a great job for me in this. And I just want to elevate you. What, a, what an amazing opportunity. And I pray that you help us just put aside this, what all these other people think. And not give it much credit compared to what you think. And help us realize that greatness in your mind just doesn't look like greatness in the world's eyes. And I pray that you'll help every woman in here just revel in her amazing greatness and station that you've given her. Every man to revel in the great station and and opportunity that you've given him. Uh, and I pray that we'll just live this and exude it everywhere we go and constantly be amazing people because they're seeing you in uh, the steps that we take. In Jesus' name, amen.